Hey guys, welcome back to the Blush Podcast. Blush is the print and web magazine for the fashion institute of technology. We're so excited to have the BSE members back on the podcast and to talk about some really interesting and insightful things. So thank you guys for coming back. Thank you. Thank you for having us. How's everyone been since the since the previous podcast? Pretty solid. I'm back in New York. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I'm moving back very soon. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. So just to get right into things, you guys recently organized the Chalk That Talk event at FIT. How did that go? Yes. So Chalk That Talk was our artistic response to the injustices that our community has faced through history and still today. And so when we were laying out changes that we wanted to see on our campus, we made Chocolate Talk our first action item. And basically it gave space for people that express themselves, not always verbally, to express the way that they were feeling through artwork. And so they chalked the exterior of the school, which is a project that illustration students have been able to do exclusively since 2013. This is the first time any other students besides that major were given access to do so. And the turnout was very, very nice. It was empowering. People were saying this is the first time they've even left their houses since quarantine. And like, thank you for providing this space for people to showcase Black art and pay tribute. There was many different memorials to Eric Gardner, Breonna Taylor, um, and many, many other people. Um, and I think it's like our first step towards acknowledging that our voices are being heard, you know? Yeah, and <laughs> it's gonna be up until August 31st. So people are gonna be able to visit and we're gonna be updating it hopefully throughout the summer. So yeah, so for anyone who's listening, it's completely open to the public. It's on 7th Ave between um, 20, 28th, 27th and 28th right? Yes. It's okay. Yeah. The whole, nope, 27th, all the way down to 24th Street, actually. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, it goes all the way down to the Gladys, um, right, 24th Street. Yeah, that's yeah, 24th 23. Street. 20, <laughs> that's down the avenue. It's just down the avenue, so, and you had about 30 artists, or over 30 artists who participated? <laughs> yes, we had over 30 artists. Now, you said that um, you guys were the first ones that weren't illustration majors who were actually able to chalk the school. How long did it take to get um, acceptance from administration in order to get this project up and running? Um, I would say we pitched the idea. We submitted our proposal on a Tuesday. On Thursday, we were scheduled scheduling the official meeting on Monday to like confirm and lock in and then Monday we had the meeting we were good to go so I would say it was a turnaround time of about a week because that following Tuesday we were told that the power washing was done and completed and we were going to be able to paint that following Wednesday so that's when I was sending the email out to the artist so it was a week and then the union said that they were going to donate to help pay for our supplies so yeah it was pretty fast turnaround time in regards to representation for the Black student community and even faculty in this school, do you believe that this is like one of the first times that administration like really stepped on it and gave you guys the opportunity to do what you needed to do and what you should have been done? Or is this something that happens a lot? Do you feel like there's adequate representation in the school? How do you feel? 
So for me, the simple answer would be no. But to go in deeper, um, the only safe spaces we truly have on campus are like at the Black Student Union or like BRAG, the Black Action Retail Group. And with the school facing so much controversy, having racist professors, they've had poor experience, experiences, sorry, experiences simply because they're Black, it's pretty sad. Um, but I'm happy that the Black Student Union is like a family on campus, but it's just sad that we're like one of the only places uh, where people that look like me can feel accepted. And I also wanted to mention that, you know, the international students have an office and they have spaces for them, but not everyone has the same experiences. Like they just kind of grouped everyone to international students. But yeah, like people have different minority groups and you can't really preach diversity and inclusion when you don't really have any spaces on campus for those groups to feel safe. Yeah, and I wanna like add to that and just saying that when you go on FIT's campus, you do see a lot of faces that look like ours in a sense of like there are plenty of black people there, but they tend to be represented more so in our staff and not our faculty. So like we'll have black security guards, we have black secretaries, they all the Bursar's office is full of black secretaries, our um, admissions office as well. But when you look at like the faculty, you look at our student population, you look at the makeup and 9% of the school's population is African-American students. But then you look at like the counterpart of there being a 44% white population, a 19% Latinx population. And I think it's really important that if like you haven't looked at the statistics for our enrollment rates, you really should just to kind of get the reality of um, what a lot of people are experiencing. And I feel like uh, when people are the majority group and not the minority group, it kind of makes it difficult for them to understand what it's like. But like, imagine walking into a school and there's five times the amount of people in you. Like, you know what I mean? You walk into a class and you automatically feel singled out because you don't look like everybody else. And for a lot of people, I think it's something that they may not be able to like tangibly understand. Um, but if the roles were reversed, I think it'd be completely different. And I also think there should be a lot more representation than just BSU. Um, even acknowledging the other Black clubs that there are and making sure that everyone's platform is, like, equally heard. If there was enough, like, adequate representation, then the MFA fashion show incident wouldn't have happened, simply. It's really interesting that you say that because for me, I kind of relate to some degree in the sense when I was growing up, I lived in a predominantly white town. And then when I moved to New York, my school was, I think, having about 5% white students. And it was like the first time in my life that I was like, oh, my God, I, I don't recognize, like, I don't see myself in everyone that, I, that's, that I'm around. And I can only imagine what that's like when that's like an everyday for an entire, for your entire life. Um, you just mentioned the demographics. Annie, could you read off some of the demographics for us? Yeah, so for those of you guys listening, um, for the, the current demographics for undergraduate students currently, is 45.6% white, 17.8% Hispanic or Latino, 11.9% non-resident slash international students, 10.9% Asian, 9.3% Black African American, and 4.5% that is like unknown, it says ethnicity unknown or other. And then for faculty at the school, it's currently unknown slash other leads with 40.1%, white with 39.8%, Black or African-American at 8.6%, Hispanic slash Latino at 6.9%, and then Asian faculty at 5.5%. So you guys had mentioned that you had a meeting with the administration. It was last week in regards to some of the things you would like to change and improve in the FIT community. 
How did you feel it went? Do you feel like they listened and are going to assist in implementing those changes? So I feel like they heard us because obviously they responded to the emails and they set up the meeting, but it also kind of felt like we keep having meetings with the same people. Like we keep having meetings with just strictly administration and there's obviously other people that need to be brought into the conversation because when we were listing out our demands, some of them being um, mandatory black history classes and bringing on black faculty, um, implementing a cultural center, which would be a safe space for us to meet, reviewing the tenure process, um, and many, many other things, we were getting a response saying, well, we can't do that. Um, that's something that the union does, or that's a contract that is discussed with these group of people. So they were hearing us, but it was clear that we were not talking to the right people. And so we have a meeting coming up with the union, which hopefully they'll be able to assist with getting some of our other actions met as far as the tenure process. And implementing these courses because changing the curriculum is a whole nother set of, I think the faculty senate agrees on that. And so, yeah. When you say talking to the same people, do you mean um, that there are different branches? What does that look like in regards to like how it's set up with administration and the school and like who has to go to who in order to get things done? So I would say there's three branches of government at FIT, and it's the faculty senate, there's the union, and there's the administration. So the faculty senate is all about protecting faculty rights. Um, this is where, you, you know, tenure professors and things like that come in. And then you have the union, aka the UCE of FIT, and they are figuring out currently, like, what the budget is looking like the COVID-19 situations are looking like for the upcoming semesters, but they're also in charge of identifying main issues and tasks on campus um, and recommended initiatives to clarify who's uh, who the union is and underscores the importance and the tools that they need to maintain the union. And also like talking about initiatives, some of those initiatives, which I was kind of surprised to learn when I did the research, was building the organizational structure, campus leadership, social justice, equity, diversity, and more. So basically what we're, we're, what we're aiming for here, right? And then you have administration who uh, we've been having the meetings with thus far, and they actually do not have a description for what they do on the website. I searched all over this morning, um, but what, to my understanding, uh, they come up with plans for situations like COVID-19 and oversee directly what's going on with the school itself. So personally, um, the issue I, I see is we've been talking to administration and they've come up with some plans, but there's no implementation aside from, of course, chalk that talk, which, you know, the intent is not to have them fully benefit from it, but to start the conversation um, and not just be like, hey, we're diverse, we're diverse, you know, this is plastered on the side of FIT, we're diverse. Like, no, it's meant to, you know, start these conversations. But um in the coming weeks, uh, we'll most likely, of course, we'll have a meeting with the Faculty Senate as well. Um, but Dr. Brown has mentioned to us about like a contract and that contract um, that the union oversees um, has actually ended in 2017. And that has like all of the firing uh, procedures, the professors, logistics like that. Um, but we're trying to get more information about this and hopefully we'll get more information through, you know, the union. Uh, when we have a meeting with the union on Monday. So 
Um, also, since it's administration's job to like oversee everything that's going on at FIT and figure out the best way to navigate it, I really feel like they weren't implementing it or they weren't really being forced to implement it until BSU was like, hey, what's good? Like, what's, what's, what's going on here, you know? So I really want to push that conversation and I feel like everyone's voices need to be elevated and, and not just BSU. It's like, you have the power to email Office of the President. You have the power to email SGA saying, hey, what's going on here? You know? I also want to add to what Joy said, if that's okay, um, about in terms of BSU kind of being the voice when it comes to administration and having to speak up. And I feel like, like Kiara said, they tend to have not really give us like a definite answer. It keeps being like a pushback on everything. And I will say at first, like at this point, it's not really, we can't just rely on administration due to the sole fact that the administration is essentially the presidential 2020 election, where we're talking to people from a complete different generation with a complete different more set of standards that are there to do business. Like they could care less about what's going on on like the, on our level. Um, and also we can't like just solely rely on our allies. We have to take that spot as BSU and be like the voices of black students because this is our thing to change. These are things that we're experiencing. And it's like, if we don't do it, then like who's gonna do it? We can't leave it up to other people. But at the same time, it's also just super important, like Joy said, to make sure that everyone's voices are being elevated. One of the biggest things I wanted to mention is like administration with some of these meetings, they've actually told us like that they have a plan. They just haven't released it. But my my whole problem with it is I think they're not releasing it because they don't want to be held accountable if all of the items that they put out do not get done, which I get it from a logistical standpoint, but you have to understand that the students are angry, the alumni are angry, the faculty are angry. So it's like, you have to do something. People are gonna continue being angry and we've already warned them saying, hey, this is an issue. You don't know if someone's going to protest when we get back on campus, if they're not going to go to class, because it is to that point, people are that frustrated. So it all comes down to communication um, at the end of the day. It's like, you can't have the faculty whispering amongst themselves. You can't have the administration whispering amongst themselves because what's going to get done? People are only going to get more angry. Silence speaks volumes. So that's something I just wanted to mention there. No, absolutely. I agree with what you're saying. It's like transparency, especially in today's day and age, it's just so vital. And I mean, we learn about brand transparency all the time. So it makes sense that a university should also have the same amount of transparency, if not more. Um, so I wanted to ask, what are some of the points that you guys made to the administration that you would like to see implemented at FIT in the following year and years to come? So aside from like our short term things, like the mental health workshops, which we've seen health services have started to roll out aside from chocolate talk, some of the more long-term things that we'd like to see um, is the diversity council kind of meet their mission statement. When speaking to other people, we see that their viewpoint of what the diversity council is, is they do civility week and they roll out inclusive programming. But when going on to the website, their mission statement is to meet many more things. And so one of them that we want them to highlight more is to support faculty into incorporating diversity into the curriculum and facilitating inclusive teaching and learning practices. One of our requests was to bring on 
more black faculty, but we were told because of budget cuts, because of coronavirus, they're at a hiring freeze. And so yes, at this time, we might not be able to bring on more black faculty, but I don't see why the diversity council can't um, assist in making the curriculum more inclusive. We also asked that they bring a NAACP chapter onto our campus and like help us charter a chapter. That way BSU, the Black Student Union, can create and be more of the cultural awareness spreading. And then the NAACP would focus on the more political policy changes, um, as well as we asked to again speak with the union to go over how can we make sure that the power that they have reflects the voices of people you know they controlled the tenure process and so like the mfa fashion show the reason why jonathan kyle farmer is still employed is because he's protected through the rights of the union but if you go to other college campuses um, their tenure process may not have allowed him to still be employed. Again, I think our tenure process is you only need to teach for three years. Other college campuses, their tenure process is you have to teach for seven years. And so some of these things need to be relooked at. Was he not suspended? I'm, I might be completely wrong. I have no idea, but I, I was aware. I thought that he was fired. He's not fired. He's still in the payroll role. He's still okay. getting paid really? while they're investigating. We haven't gotten any sort of investigation results, but he's 100% still on the payroll. He's just not allowed on campus, but like everyone's remote teaching right now anyway. So along with that and kind of along with what Keys was saying I know we kind of previously mentioned it before but I feel like it's not up for a debate with the whole black professors teaching black history courses because you know we have we have a required um, western art and civilization class if you're an art and design major and it's like so christian based and christian heavy and like eurocentric and it's like not everybody, especially at FIT, is a Christian. And like, I understand the importance of some of those artworks, but I don't understand why it needs to be a required course when it's not really like teaching anyone anything that's progressive. You know what I mean? It's all like, oh, well, this is what they did and, and very like misogynist things and, and racist things and all of these things that you see in the art. But it's like, why can't we replace that with something that's more progressive, like teaching people Black history, you know? I mean, even then also, it's like as a, if it's if like they need an art history requirement, right? Like, why aren't they choosing courses that are for, like having different options? Like, obviously, there's different um, artworks from all over the world. There's East Asian art, there's Middle Eastern art, there's art that comes from different regions in Africa, South America. So, yeah, because I, I was taking the class, I took that class, I think, was it last year, the year before? And I was like, hmm, okay, <laughs> like. I thought this would be a little bit more right. diverse curriculum, but okay. I, I right, think for right. fashion, because when I was in fashion, they make you take both. It's, um, what is it? It's like Christian slash Catholic in the beginning. And then the second term is a um, Middle Eastern or whatever. But I completely agree. I feel like there should be an option where you can choose because that's the beauty of college. You're supposed to be able to choose your path and what you like to study, especially if it relates more to you. You'll be more invested in the actual course than at that point you'll be more willing to learn and really like delve into the topic. Right. But even when it comes to like um, 
African art. I took an African art class. It was taught by a white lady from Minnesota, which she's great, but like, she's a really nice person, but like, why are you teaching African art? (laughs) You know? I also just want to note another reason why I think it's important to have Black faculty teach Black history is because just some things non-Black professors aren't sensitive enough to teach. Like in my rebellion and resistance class, the professor referred to Black people as the Blacks. Now, I don't, yeah, he called us, like, in class, he'd be, like, the Blacks, and it was, like, very, like, harsh, but, like, everyone was just sitting there nodding their heads, and I was the only Black student in that class, and so maybe because he was old, that's something that, like, they referred to people as commonly but like it just wasn't sensitive like he wasn't calling us black people no he called us the blacks and like I didn't know if it was in like was I supposed to raise my hand and be like hi sir please stop calling us that because that's not like every time you say it my chest is like no and you shouldn't have to do that he should just not refer to you as like that's right that's not even that's not not something that you should question that's just a given you don't but it's like sensitive things (laughs) sensitive things like that I just they don't think they seem to grasp what's wrong with that honestly that's really surprising because like when I was when I had my job last semester we had a I had to do those um like HR like training courses in terms of the like like in every relation right and they did even like I already knew these, but like it was, it was good that they reiterated. Okay, like certain terms, like are not appropriate, blah blah blah. Because there's some people who just don't know. I'm really surprised that is that implemented at FIT. That's actually would be an interesting thing to find out because, um, that's something they said is coming. Sensitive training, they said is coming. They haven't given us a timeline as to when they're going to begin that. But I think it's some sort of virtual training that people are going to have to take. I think it needs to happen because I used to have some professors in the design portion, at least, who, and not even just to the Black community, to the Asian community, to mm-hmm. every, I mean, <laughs> the things that were said, I don't know if I can say it, but it's just not. It's, no, I've had professors call, I've had professors call Asian students, Asian students have been called Ling and Ming, I've heard that. What? Own very, yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I had an Indian yep. friend who, by our draping professor, was like, oh, you have to be good at textiles because you're from India, right? Are you no. He's like, you're going to be great. He goes, I, you have to get an A in this class or you're just not Indian. And I was like, and she looked at me because she didn't believe that he said that. And she's like, okay, I'm not deaf, right? Like he, and he said it to at least four other. You said it was in textiles. Yeah, it was a textile it was class. A draping class. Can I ask a question? Yeah. I was a draping class. I was about to ask with my professor. Keep it off the record. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds oh like it. Oh, my God. You can ask. I can bleep out the name. Um, do you know Professor It's like this old Italian man. And he no. is, oh, God. But, but yeah. Like was, and that was, he said it to multiple, like, and then with the Asian kids, he was like, well, I don't get why you guys have to speak in Chinese in our, my class. He's like. I'm like, first of all, you're not teaching right now. They're just sewing. They can speak with one another. You don't have to know what they're saying. It's not your conversation. But then also, like, and also, 
Like those are two. Kiara had asked them when we had met with them initially, we had asked for a list of like names and professors and the statistics on uh, race or like ethnicity on the tenant professors. Did you not? And like one of the very first meetings we had and they never got back to us with that information. Like for administration, they kind of do it as like they expect us to just kind of forget about it. And then every time we speak again, they're like, okay, we're bringing you the uh, results to the investigation. We're bringing you the results to the investigation. Like it'll hold us off from trying to figure out that all of this itself, other information. It's going to be such a big fight because I, the amount of professors that are, and like, I'm not saying this to be rude because not every old person is rude, but just there's a yeah. lot of old professors <laughs> at FIT, especially in the design portion, at least from what mm-hmm. I, from my experience, that just don't yeah. come from the right place like it's just rude yeah oh no not at all but also like you you know how you just mentioned right now how like there were some kids that were speaking in chinese and the professor was like oh why are you i've i so i speak russian i've spoken russian to other kids in the class no. i've never once had a professor question me question me like oh why are you speaking russian and the polish girls could speak polish with one another and that was fine i don't i don't understand that and i just took a look right now because you know how you earlier were reading the demographics I mean, 40% unknown. Like, what is that? Like, yeah. Like, what? I was trying to figure that out. I'm like, what is unknown? But even unknown, unknown can be like, I think about all the professors that I have. I'm a textile student that had, um, I have a lot of like Southern European professors. So, like, I have like Italian professors, I have Spaniard professors, I have all these professors that could fall under the white category but may just be like an other white or like an other anything other is like i feel like they use that as like a default for a a larger portion (laughs) for some that tends to happen some bigger demographic choose not to answer you know you have that option where you say i choose not to Mm -hmm. disclose which sometimes i do check off because it's like why do you No, that's fair i do understand that. but even with like the demographics it doesn't even break it down to show you like kenny said of the this percentage how many are full-time how many have tenure and how many have been adjunct for years like i know professors that have been adjunct for over 15 years never offered a full-time position so like overall in general like especially what we've been talking about around right now like do you feel like your experience at fit as a black student has been like good bad in the middle or like just how has it been overall i would definitely say for me personally i kind of fall at a 50 50 in the sense of like, I'm from Kentucky, this is a great experience to be at the Fashion Institute of Technology, but then being here and understanding like all of these microaggressions or like slight forms of, of oppression or like even bigger forms of oppression, it makes it kind of sad to be in the situation. And I say this because like, I'm grateful for the, all the opportunities I get. My professors are great resources, but like I've had misogynistic old professors. Kiara has had a professor pet her head because she didn't believe that her hair was real. I had one of my peers in the elevator ask me if my hair was real. And then her eyes just got super duper big waiting for a response. And it's like, people don't realize that things like these are like unknown racial biases. And you can't do things like that. We did our town halls and we had faculty sitting next to students crying and they were making faces. Like it's things like that, things that essentially just add up, you know, it's things that can't be overlooked. and at the end of the day, it makes our experience totally just like completely different. It takes away like the preciousness of going to college, the pride in saying that we go to FIT, like who wants to lose that? 
And then it makes people second guess like their attendance. Since the town halls, we've had people threaten to transfer. And it's like, at the end of the day, it brings up the new question of like, is that what they want us to do? Do they want us to transfer? Is that what they're aiming for? Right, exactly. And like to add on to Kenny's point, like same thing over here. I'm from North Florida, basically South Georgia. It's the same thing. You know, probably one of the most (laughs) racist. Um, I have like, or I come from one of the most segregated towns in Florida. And it's like, I come to FIT and again, like, oh my God, I'm in New York. Like, woo, I'm in New York. You see me? I'm in New York. Like, I'm over here just like kind of basking in the awe of just being in the city. But when I get to the campus and we start like having these meetings and stuff starts coming onto the surface and then, you know, all of that pressure of, you know, us being BSU coming to administration, sitting there like we're fighting for the students and what are y'all gonna do and they're just kind of sitting us like blinking three times like I don't, I don't know I don't really know what to do let's have another town hall let's have like but we've already had these conversations and like Kenny said people are literally crying and sitting there and you have everybody on the left side just looking like uh what are they talking about I have no idea what they're talking about so it's like it's sad but at the same time, the Black Student Union and, and supportive people and groups that I've met on campus has kept me here and has made me not want to transfer because I've built such like, great relationships and I'm really grateful for the people that I've met. But it's like, dang, there's a whole lot that we have to deal with just to be here. And it really, really hurts because I fought to get to this school. Like I, I couldn't just pick up, pack up all my things and move a thousand miles away for no money, you know, I pay out of state tuition and this is what I'm getting, you know? Yeah, and I think it's important to note that Kenny and both Joy, they come from not so diverse states. And then you realize that FIT is in New York City, so liberal, so diverse. But then you actually look at the school and like, I've had New Yorkers say that like, the diversity that FIT claims they have is not reflective of how diverse New York is as a state. Like, people who have lived in New York their whole lives and have gone to New York public high schools, high schools have been more diverse. And so I'm just trying to figure out how we're preaching diversity and inclusion, but it's just not. And I think it's made my experience at FIT kind of draining, you know? There's fun things that we're able to do, like Chalk Mm -hmm. That Talk, I don't think many other schools would have been able to, students wouldn't have been able to ask, hey, can we chalk the outside of our school, please? But it's like but I also want to add to what what you're saying real quick it's just the fact that for a lot of white students at our school specifically they don't have to do that they don't have to take the time out to like how we have there's so much extra pressure on top of us coming a lot of us coming from low-income families there's so much extra added pressure being at that school we can't just go to class and like go home or go to class and go to our new cute apartment on 23rd street that's not how all of us live so it's like making our already difficult college experience so much more difficult but i want to say you guys have done an amazing job i think so far and i think you're doing and i'm really excited to see what more you do and honestly i'm just so grateful that you guys came on here and before we end today's um podcast episode the bsu would like to give their closing closing statement so um 
I think we can all agree that the biggest issue with FIP is kind of this facade that they put on on the idea of like diversity and inclusion, but we kind of see it as a push for a marketing scheme for incoming students um, as they continue to admit unproportionate amounts of diversity and inclusion. Just like the fashion world, they seem to follow what's trending and we are not the trend. We're fighting for basic human rights and decency and we get that things are sometimes out of juncture um, and that they're simply systemic, but based on like, you know, American culture, American soil. Um, however, we're trying to start small with our campus. So it's important that we're heard and that these changes are made. And I mean, at the end of the day, the least that they can do is listen because we pay a lot of money for tuition. <laughs> And before we officially close, I just want to let everybody know that the link to the Chalk That Talk GoFundMe page will be listed below in all the bios for wherever you listen to this podcast, whether that be SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. And so we want to say thank you again for the BSU members for coming on today. You guys have been amazing, and we really appreciate you guys. And thank you for everyone who's listened, and make sure to stay tuned on our Instagram. We'll be posting more updates and on further episodes. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.